We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Good morning. Got my bodyguard with me this morning because I'm going to say some tough stuff. I'm just kidding. No worse than normal. Hey, Easter is two weeks from today, and it's going to be the first. We believe it's the first time in the history of the church that we're going to be able to minister to over a thousand people for Easter. That's pretty exciting. We're not talking about it for the sake of numbers, but I'm fired up about it for the sake of possibly two to three hundred people that we're going to get to share the gospel with that we don't normally get to share with. So I'm saying that to you that we're being very intentional about that this year. Uh, be here that day. If you're planning on being someplace else, you normally go someplace on Easter with family, don't this year. Sacrifice and go visit them the week after. Stay here for Easter this week or this year and help us minister uh, to the people that are going to be here. We're really excited about it. But I uh, wanted to say before I get into this too, thanks to Matt for fixing the fence. I don't know if you noticed or not, the fence used to wobble and fall down and all, and he fixed the fence. Thank you, Max. And and, and then uh, for all those that worked yesterday at the REACH Center, it was amazing. I could not believe how many people were out there painting, cleaning, stuffing eggs for Easter. Uh, there was all kinds of stuff going on over there, and I'm just so proud of you all. I appreciate you doing all that and say... Uh, Shout out to our youth. We're proud of our youth that went to Fine Arts yesterday. It sounded like they represented us well. Had several kids that qualified to go to Nationals. A lot of fun things going on yesterday. But uh, I'm glad to see you today. Good morning. Thanks for being here. If you're our guest, we want to welcome you. We appreciate the fact that you're worshiping with us today. I got my good friend. This is Randy Herring. And he's not here as my bodyguard, although uh, I could use that from time to time. Uh, he is here today because he is a missionary to Honduras. And I want to ask this question to, before we go any further. We asked this in the first service. How many of you have ever been with us to one of our missions trips to Honduras? If you've ever been, raise your hand. We asked that in the first service. There were hands everywhere. Uh, I, Randy was talking about this. His memory is better than mine. In fact, I said, he remembers things about me that aren't even true. So... <laughs> So don't believe everything he's when he once he starts with this mic, just think about you know how you don't believe everything I say when I start telling stories. I mean, if that's the word you but when I start telling stories, you know, I sometimes I'll say every word of this I'm making up is the truth. Just just remember, you know, if he says anything about me that that I wouldn't like, just believe it's not true. But we go way back. I guess he said this morning all the way back to 2002 uh, first time that we ever met and I'll, I'll let him tell i'll let him tell a little bit about that our first trip that we met on well after he become my friend you have permission like when you become friends with somebody you have permission to become obnoxious right yeah. and and then he could he could be so obnoxious sometimes i told my wife that that if i had three weeks to live i would move next door to him because it seemed like forever 
But the doctor hasn't given me that news yet, but I'm just, I'm just jumping right to you. If you ever move in next to me, we would really be praying. Yeah, you guys should pray for each of us. But um, I, met, I met you guys back in 2002, and um, it's been, you guys actually helped get the camp started. So you guys are obligated to help now. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> he, sent, he sent team after team after team. I mean, when I say we're going to build a camp, in 2002, people look at you like, well, where are you going to build it at? Well, we have these 200 acres in the rainforest, and, well, what's there now? Nothing. Oh, okay. But when people follow what God has, in, in, has started and people get behind you, it's humbling because you guys were the first, I think, five teams there. We did the f- first five things. It was your church that helped get it started. So I appreciate that. appreciate you believing in me. And um, we've had over 300,000 kids since then. That's a lot of kids. So, yeah, praise God. That's a lot of kids, but it's also a lot of hurting children that come through there. Like, almost all of them have some kind of a hurt in their life, and we'll talk about that more. I guess when you say we'll talk about it more, you mean later. Right. Okay. So I'll go on then. <laughs> so Randy, uh, Randy is my friend. At least I thought he was. On uh, one of the trips that we went on, uh, Tegucigalpa. How big did you say Tegucigalpa is? A city of three or four million people. And Deb and I had taken our kids. This is 11 years ago. I felt like that the last thing I was supposed to do before I let my kids leave the house. I'm not saying this is what you're supposed to do, but it was for me. That the last thing I was supposed to do to prepare my kids for life and ministry was to take them on the field to a mission trip. So before Heather got married... Uh, we took both of them and we stayed in Honduras for a week with the herrings. Uh, Randy put me and Deb in a motel. I thought was, was we wanted to take care of us. Now I know it's because I'm obnoxious, but he let our kids stay at his house. Our kids stayed with his kids at the house. Deb and I stayed in a motel. And uh, if we went out on the campground and we worked uh, every day or part of that time. Then there was this one day he had this, this, this fair thing going, job fair or something going. It was, it was a, um, a world, um, a celebration of the world, cities of the world. My kids went to a private school, um, a bilingual school, and they were celebrating cities. And because I'm Italian, we volunteered, we volunteered to build the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So. so he was in the process of that. He said, on this, this is the part, part of your experience today is going to be hanging around with us and our kids, and we're building this. And and so we were all out there. We're building this leaning tower, and, and he forgot something at his house. And so his son, Caleb, some of you all remember Caleb. Caleb's grown now, but, but uh, Caleb, if you think he can talk, Caleb can talk circles around Randy. And uh, so, he, so Randy says to me, man, I forgot something. D, would you take the truck and go back to my house and, and pick that up? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I, I would, but I don't, I mean, I don't know where I'm at. He said, I'm going to send Caleb with you. Okay. And he says, well, take the truck. And he said, can you drive a standard? I'm like, yeah, I can drive a standard, no problem. He said, well, it doesn't have any second gear. Okay. I need a truck. Yeah. <laughs> he says, it doesn't have any second gear. And he says, uh, so he's going to tell you how to get there. So we're at 5 o'clock Friday night to Goosegalpa, 3 million people. And there's four lanes of traffic, but that doesn't mean anything to them because four lanes of traffic can be five or six lanes of traffic, a motorcycle, a kid selling chiclets, and three people with goats all out in the middle of the road. And I get in this truck with with Caleb, and we're supposed to go to the house. 
Everybody drives there with one hand on the wheel, one on the horn. So it's, so three million people are doing that. I'm the only one that's not doing that. I got both hands on the wheel and sometimes it's on this gear shift. Doesn't do me much good because I can't, you know, if you don't have second gear, you're not slowing down much because it's hard to go from third to first. And so, Caleb, I'm dependent on this guy with three million people. Get me where I'm going with all this mess going on. And he would be in the middle of telling a story. And all of a sudden he would say, and this guy did it. Hey, turn right there. I said, dude, you got to know I don't have no second gear. I mean, I, I got I got 14 lanes of traffic. So when we got back. I was nice about it, but I was probably one of those obnoxious moments. And he says, he says, don't worry about it. He says, I'm going to fix you an Italian feast at the end of the weekend. It was, I mean, it was sausage and spaghetti and, and the real grated cheese and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, just really, really, really cool memories of having the opportunity of, of spending with them, uh, out there helping with that campground. As he said, I think the very first building on that campground was something that our guys built. Uh, it was so long ago, it was back when we were still Trinity Temple. That's how far we go back to Honduras. We used to be Trinity Temple before we were Trinity Fellowship. This was back in 2003, 2003 or so, two or three. Um, we built a tree house there. And there's a gold plaque up in the top of that. And you climb the stairs, and there's a gold plaque that says, dedicated in honor of Trinity Temple, such and such a year and all that. And uh, every so often when I'm there, I'll climb up in that in that little uh, treehouse and just read the plaque and think about how many things we've done there since. I guess uh, there have been many things built there since that. But I think that uh, we have built a lot of the buildings and a lot of the structures that are on the campground. And that's what Randy does is God, God gave him two, well, gave him a heart and then gave him the opportunity to get 200 acres in a rainforest in Honduras, right on a lake. It's the most beautiful place you've ever seen in your life. It's got mountains. It's got open fields. It's got creeks running through it with freshwater crabs. I've seen kids catching the crabs right there in the freshwater. It, it goes right out into this big lake. Uh, geographically, everything you can think of that would be neat to see in a rainforest, he has it within those 200 acres. And he, God gave him the, bit, the, the burden and the vision to build a campground for children because there wasn't anything for them, especially anything they could afford. And so he has been carving out of the wilderness a campground now that, as he said, sometimes just for Royal Rangers, they'll have the Royal Ranger powwow there on some weekends. They'll have thirteen to 1,500 boys just in one weekend out there with their tents pitched. And, and is that the correct number? Correct. Mm -hmm. no, two to 3,000 is the average number for the powwow. Wow. Uh, it's international. It's all South and Central America. They'll, they'll actually bus up from Central America and fly up from South America. Last month, we had nine countries represented from the powwow. Wow. I love his heart. A couple of weeks ago, you heard me telling in one of my messages when I preached the message on beggars and believers. And I talked about one of the things we can do for people is we can we can save our food when we eat at a restaurant and we can give it to hungry people on the street. I learned that from him. I was in the truck with him in Honduras the first time I ever saw that. Everywhere we would go, he was always rounding up the food. I was like, man, this guy's got to have to have a refrigerator full of food because everywhere we eat, he rounds it all up. He was he was handing it to people. He would walk out of a restaurant and hand it to a guard 
feed them, give them a drink right there. He'd give it to somebody on the street. He would put it in his truck and drive with it. And if he didn't pass it out to somebody that he saw needed it, he would remember somebody and drive it to them. Um, it was just an amazing thing to see his heart. He's a big old, rough, uh, coarse Italian, you know, and I give him a hard time. But he's got, he's got a, a, a really sensitive and gentle spirit and a love for those people. And so I thought it would be really cool today to, to have him sit up here with me and uh, for us to banter back and forth and give you an opportunity to hear, hear some things from him. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute, and I'm just going to hand it to you and let you say what you want to say. Well, I'll, I'll expand a little bit on food, and I'll explain the camp a little bit. Right. But um, food is such a commodity in Honduras. A lot of children that we see at the camp eat one time a day, sometimes once every two days, a good meal. Usually it's a good meal once a day, maybe a tortilla before they go to bed or a tortilla in the morning. Um, food is a precious commodity in Honduras. And um, there's a little town. Um, it's not a town. It's like a little what they call an aldea or a pueblo in Spanish, where it's like 60 or 70 people that's, that's squatted on this property and it's become a little town. And it's called Little Sky. You actually go up this mountain about 9,000 feet high. It starts to get a little nippy and cool. And you go through the clouds, and then the kind of the climate changes, and the, the trees change shapes and everything. And we park, and we're starting to give out some, some Bibles and some food through a local pastor because we don't want to be the gringos. That's the hero. We want to work through a local pastor. And this little girl comes running up to me with pigtails and typical hunter and traje, they call it, or um, like, a, like a colored mesh. Um, real coarse thread that they make clothes out of up there. And she said, are you a gringo? I said, yeah, some people call me a gringo. You can call me anything. She said, so that means you're a real North American. I said, well, yeah. And I didn't want to go into her my Italian roots or nothing that I'm not proud of. But um, <clears throat> anyway, she's starting to be curious about, you know, what gringos eat and all that. She said, um, can I ask you a question? And she become the dr- she started dreaming, talking, and she said, have you ever been to that place? And she started looking like towards the clouds. Well, you go in this big room and they hand you a book and you can sit down and read that book. Any, any, I mean, you can sit there as long as you want and just read that book. And I said, well, yeah, I've been to libraries before. And she said, no, it's not a library. She said, it's a place where they give you a book and you sit down and you can point to anything in that book and they go in the back and cook it for you. Have you ever been to that place? And I was challenged instantly, Pastor, because I have seen needs. I've seen children with congenital heart disease, and I've seen kids with open wounds coming to the camp with dirty rag wrap around it. And I've seen a lot of physical suffering and pain. But that challenged me to be more grateful. It's not, there's nothing wrong with going to that place or, or Chick-fil-A or whatever and being able to have the privilege of ordering Anything you want. Add bacon. Add cheese. Not this kind of cheese. That kind of cheese. How much is it? Here's ten dollars. You know, you get the four dollars back, and you know, then go back for a shake. I mean, that place. That place. There's nothing wrong with that because you guys are givers and you're Christians and you pay your tithe and give your offerings and you work hard. And I'm not condemning anybody going out to eat because we're probably going today. I'm going to that place. Probably. However, that little girl, her life was so set apart from the way we live that I didn't want to say I'd been to that place. I didn't want to tell her I was at Denny's in Miami that morning at five o'clock in the morning eating food out of that book. 
I told her, I said, you know, I've heard of that place too, and if I ever have a chance to come get you, I'll take you one day if I ever have the chance. I didn't know how to answer her. I'll never see her again. But I was challenged because that challenged my, my mind and my gratefulness, even though I had been working in Honduras for several years. Getting Talking about the camp, what we have is we have 200 acres in the rainforest on a big crater lake filled with largemouth bass. So if you want to come down and bring a fishing rod, I'll, I'll be fishing in the afternoons. And what we're doing was we're building all the Bible stories and replica. I was a bricklayer for years. I still am. But we're building everything that looks like the Bible story. And some of you have been there, seen the tomb, and you've seen the woman at the well, and you've seen the crosses that we have that they weigh a ton each. They're made of concrete. We have an area that's called Calvary. We have the whipping post, and we have many of the Bible stories that you'll see in this the video we're going to watch in a minute. <clears throat> We have the, the life-size nativity where kids can walk through all the, the nativity figures and see what the Bible really was. We're trying to bring the Bible to come to life in the minds and hearts of the kids because sometimes we just don't have Bibles to give out, Pastor. We run out. Um, your team came down and gave out like 3,000 just like that. You remember in front of the tomb? I mean, we get kids and kids and more kids, and they'll say, here's a Bible. Can I have one for my, my brother who wasn't able to come? Can I have one for my mom? And they cherish the pages of the Word of God, a lot like a lot like what we did when we were first Christians, Pastor. We took the Bible everywhere, where we'd smell the Bible, where we cherished the pages of the Word of God. They still cherish the Word of God, and we're building that visual Bible because kids have no concept of how it really was. And you say Jesus rose from the dead. Well, they see their grandmother, they see their uncle that's been buried, and they think Jesus come out of the ground and you know three courses of the block and concrete on. We, we know that there's a miracle with a stone being rolled away. And we share that with the children because we want the gospel of Jesus to reside in their lives until the moment they die. Because it's important. Because that's the only thing you're going to take with you in the, into eternity. And the camp is um, a place where we have little girls that come that are 11, 12, and 13, and they're pregnant. And just a few weeks ago, that little girl, she's got a little belly bump but five or six months and she looks like she's i mean a hundred pounds maybe soaking wet 95 pounds and she's pregnant and the pastor comes up to him and he goes amana randy and he pointed and he said don't judge that little girl because she's pregnant because her parents put her in forced prostitution saying and i'm going to say this because the enemy's not playing games and i'm not either and he said don't judge her because her mom and dad forced her to go in the, in the prostitution, meaning she can go and entertain a guy, but don't go all the way. And you know what happens. And he said, and now she's standing in line for a Barbie. Never had a Barbie before. A little girl having a baby. Babies having babies. If that doesn't bust your chops, there's something wrong. I mean, that should bother everybody. And we have little boys that come to the camp, and you can tell by looking at their skin and their face and their hands, that they've been forced to work as soon as they're able to really do anything. As soon as they're five, six, seven, you go pick coffee. you got to go plant potatoes and, and, and pull them out of the ground and fill these sacks up. And it's a, it's a difficult society. It's a difficult culture. And God has sent you and I into this culture to relieve some of that suffering and pain. So, oh, they're suffering picking corn. Yeah, it's hard. 
It's hard, a little boy dragging a bag that weighs 95 or 100 pounds when he weighs 60 pounds across the field. That's hard for a little boy. He should be playing. He should be kicking a soccer ball across the field. That's the kind of kids the pastor will go into a community and say, can we have your kids and can they come to camp? And these kids, most of my injuries, when they first get off the bus, that's where most of my injuries take place. Kids so excited to see a big green field and swing sets and slides and and soccer, soccer goals, and kids are so excited to be a kid. And that's where you come in. That's where you, your mission money has come and helped build this camp and make it a place where children can come and be a, a kid, sometimes for the very first time. We have little girls that come, and they'll sit on the swing, and they'll say, well, how do they go? And then we have the, the teenagers of America, like the Rebecca's and, and the Anthony's. They'll come down, and they'll show them how to pump their feet and make the swing go, and kids are a kid for the very first time because a lot of times we bring the youth of America down to be in charge of changing the lives of the children. But in turn, the children of Honduras are changing the lives of our American youth that think that their parents owe them something because there's a lot of spoiled teenagers in America. I was one of them. But the camp is changing the landscape, the spiritual landscape of America, and we're starting to see, and we'll talk about that in a minute, we're starting to see what the camp has done over the years. But go ahead. Well, I wanted Randy, if he would, to share a little bit with you, and I, he's just going to sit up here with me for a minute. I, I'm not going to get the pulpit out and preach, but, but I wanted to share from the Word something with you and have him interject any, at any point that he feels led to. Uh, his illustrations are a lot of times better than mine, so uh, if he feels led to at any point. But I was thinking about this service today and about you being here, and, how, and a lot of times I, you know, I, the way we handle this is different than we're doing right now, but I just felt like... With our relationship and your personality, this would be, this would this would be a good way for for us to communicate what we wanted to communicate, and and uh, so I wanted to talk though rather than try to shift gears and say, okay, we're going to take an offering for Randy. Randy, go sit down. Okay, I'm going to preach. Uh, I wanted us to have a focus on missions today, but the but 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 the focus is a little different than what. Um, than what you've maybe heard in the past in that most of the time when they, when they had that focus, it was, here's the missionary. I want you to pray and give to him, and that was it. And, and, and the Lord's laid something on my heart, uh, something that's titled Missions in Me, so that rather than us just feel good today about listening to him, praying for him, and giving him an offering, is there something more that the Lord is speaking to us individually. And so I went to the Word. You know, um, the, the Great Commission is our mission. And here when we talk about missions, we, we don't always just talk about the word missions, missionaries. We talk about the mission because the mission can be northwest Arkansas. It can be here and as far out as we scatter out to the rest of the world and should be and we're doing all that just as pastor kyle said a while ago he named off several of the missionaries that are out of our church man many of you are missionaries right now over there on uh garland street many of you are missionaries right here you're in your in your schools and you're you're doing all this but the great commission was what jesus gave us matthew 28 started in 18 uh when jesus came near he spoke to them and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me so wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And remember that I'm with you until the end of time. And there's a lot of ways that we do the mission here at Trinity. Uh, we, we do that through 
local things, through foreign things. But our heart is always open to whatever that might look like. I wanted to take that a little bit further, though, from you just hearing this and saying, okay, uh, I can get involved this. I I wanted to take that a little further and say that, that the Lord may be speaking to you specifically and more intentionally about a more personal way that you should be involved in the mission. And you say, okay, here's where he's about to tell us we need to start witnessing to our friends. No, hang on with me a minute. There's three, there's three things I'm going to talk to you. Two of them I always talk about when we have missionaries here. I always say to you, I'm, I want everybody that would to commit to praying for the missionary. Remember that? That's number one. Would you pray for the missionary? So I'm asking you today, would you pray for the missionary? But let's go beyond that. Let's just say, don't just, don't just pray for the missionary, but pray for yourself in regards to what God would have you do, not just for him, but with you. Secondly, I would get up and say, uh, pray, then give. He's like, all right, that's where we take the offering. Yeah, we're going to take an offering in a little while. We'll tell you more in a minute about what that's for. But have you ever thought about, instead of just giving an offering, giving yourself to the mission, to missions? You say, well, how would I do that? Brings me to the third thing. This is the one I don't usually talk about when we have a missionary. So you have pray, give, go. The third one is go. You say, oh, my lands, are you telling me I need to be a missionary? No, but there's some of you in this room that feel called to be a missionary. Uh, Randy will tell you in a minute about how he, he sat in the seats just like we're doing here today and was given an opportunity to go on a short-term missions trip, changed his life. He kept going until eventually it just became his, it became what he did. Same thing happened with Jeff Kennedy. It became what he did. So I'm not saying that all of you, that God is calling you to be a missionary, to, to go and live in a foreign country. But here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to think for a few minutes and to pray for a few minutes about if God wants you to go even on a short term, like a week long. Sometimes we do a week long. Sometimes we do 10 days. Sometimes we do two weeks. What if God is just nudging you, the Spirit is nudging you to say, I want you to go on one of these short-term mission trips. You say, I've never really thought about doing that before. I never really wanted to. Uh, I thought that was for missionaries. I didn't want to have to raise the money. I didn't want to have to do it. What if God wants you to go to Honduras or someplace like that someday for a week and you think you're going to change their life and end up realizing that it changed yours and cause, causes, it sets a path. If it did the same for me, it sets a path, it sets a course, it changes your life. The very first one of these I ever went on wasn't in Honduras. I, the first trip I went to was Peru, and it drastically changed my life. I, uh, I went to Peru, I went to Ecuador, I've been to Belize, I've been to Dominican Republic, I've been to Honduras. And some of these times, some of these, multi, I guess Honduras probably 11, 12 times I've been there uh, but every time I went, I thought I was going to go and help somebody. And every time I got home, I realized how much they'd helped me. I might have gone and, and, and laid a brick or carried some lumber. Or I might have gone and t- taken food to someone that was hungry for a day. But what they ministered to me didn't just last like what I ministered to them. It, the food I gave them was for a day. The ministry they gave me was for a lifetime. It changed who I was. It's changed how I am. And I was telling earlier, when I was a little kid, I knew I was called in the ministry. And, and 
people would say, you, you know, you're going to grow up and be a preacher and, and missionaries would come to the church and man, I would just, I would sit in the front and I, I loved missionaries. They're my heroes and I would listen to their stories and I'd listen about all the cool stuff they were doing. And then I would think, man, God's going to call me to be a missionary and I'm going to have to go to Africa. Anybody else feel that way? I mean, you were so scared that when, if God called you, I'm going to Africa. And I don't want to go to Africa. You know, I love to hear about the elephants. And I love to hear the stories. and I love all, But I don't want to go to Africa. And I realized as I got older that, that, that God gives us the desires of our, uh, of our heart. But he does that when they're his desires. So the closer I get to him, right, then he begins to give me these desires. They're his desires. And then those things happen in my life. So when I finally yielded myself to the calling was on my life, I realized God didn't want me to be a missionary. God didn't want me to go to Africa. But God wanted me to be a friend of people who do the mission. God wanted me to be a pastor that would care about missions and would help support and send missionaries all over the world. And that's been my heart for the last 24 years. And, and, and it's not just because of me. Nolan Pennington had the vision for that. But because of, of that vision, in 24 years, this church has probably been on, I don't know, sometimes two trips a year. Uh, I think one year we did three in a year. So you do the math in 24 years, how many, how many trips that we have gone on and things that we have done and the lives that we have been able to minister to. Buildings we've built, we've built orphanages, we've built medical clinics, we've built homes, we've built uh, banyos, bathrooms. Uh, we, we've, so we do different things. We, some trips are building. Some of them are just vision where I take a group to see a, 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 something's going on and then I bring them home and say, now support that. Some of those are outreach where we take teams in and we do VBSs and, and children's crusades. And the, we do different kinds of trips. So not everything that we throw out there would be something you'll be interested in. But, but what the Lord laid on my heart this week in all of this was that I needed to encourage you not just to pray this time for Randy, not just to give to Randy, but in that praying, pray, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to give? Not just here, but otherwise. And about whether or not you're supposed to go make yourself available and one of these perhaps short-term mission trips, just to see if God is going to drastically change your life here, it's going to be ministry at home, or what if you end up like Randy, who had a, a, a very profitable business that continues to this day to support his habit of missions? What if you end up being like him, and you end up going on a trip like that, and then the Lord lays it on your heart, you end up spending, as Nolan Pennington comes to our first service, a lot of you know Nolan. Nolan has probably been on 50 of these kinds of trips, and he has built churches and houses for people all over the world. What if that is to be your legacy at some point? Doesn't matter how young or how old you are, God is speaking to your heart and nudging you to, be, to not just pray and give, but you, you make yourself available. I know some of you are kind of not looking anymore. You kind of, I've kind of lost you. And I don't know if it's because you're bored or if it's because you're convicted. But I would say, don't worry, this year's too late. Ecuador trip is going in July. It's too late to go anyway. But there will be other trips coming up next year and the years after. And, and I want you to be available. In fact, probably won't be too long. We'll be back in Honduras again. We find our, the Lord told me, the first time I met you, the Lord told me, I came home and I told Deb, that's been... Uh, 15 years ago, I told, I came home and told Deb, I said, man, the Lord spoke to me and he said, we're going to Honduras, that we're going to be in Honduras for a long time. I said, I bet we're going to be there for 
10, 11 years, you know, and now it's been 15 and we're still very actively involved in what's going on in lots of countries, but, but more so there than any place else. And uh, if you get an opportunity to go to this campground and to go and experience what it's like to minister to those little children, uh, it, it, it will change the way you look at life. It'll change the way you live your life. Um, so anyway, I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, that's the gist of what I'm going to preach. But I want, uh, I want Randy to share with us just a little bit more about a spe- the specific thing that's going on there right now. There's a, you'll see in a video we're going to show, but there's a lot of buildings that are built, have been built there. A lot of them by us and then some by other churches as, as they have followed suit. But there's one particular project that's going on there right now. And it's so necessary. Uh, I believe it's, it's, it's the closing. It's the spot for the closing. Yulia, Yulia, you know about what it means to close that deal. And, and, and that's uh, when we walk these kids through that virtual holy land, we take them from station to station we wind them up in a spot where that we can close the deal by giving them an opportunity to, to accept Christ as their Savior. I want you to share for just a minute about what you're, what you're building now. Okay. <clears throat> Before I do that, I want to just add something to what you were saying. I had a guy not too long ago, two things I want to say. I had a guy not too long ago, he, and he said, why are you going all the way to Honduras when there's people here, hurting here in Florida? Because I have a home in, near Tampa, Florida. And... You know, my first instinct is to fight. And I didn't want to fight. I said, well, you know, you know, I just, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of hurting people here. And I just asked him, what are you doing to help them? Huh? He goes, well, I was talking about you going to Honduras. I'm like, well, I'm talking about you here. What are you doing here to help them? <laughs> well, we give the Red Cross once a year. Oh, okay, that's easy. Click online, $10, two. And I said, sir, I said, there's nothing wrong with taking one week out of 52 and giving it to God in another place, in another land, for another people. I said, but really, it's not what you think you should do. It's what he thinks we should do. And I said, I'm not trying to convict you, sir. I said, with all due respect, people who don't understand what God's doing throughout the world, like yourself, needs a good explanation, so I'm going to explain it to you. God asked us to go with him. In the New Testament, not for him, like in the Old Testament, who will go for me? He, he says in the, in, in the book of Mark that the Bible talks about Jesus went into the highways and byways preaching. The, 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 the disciples went to the highways and byways preaching, casting out devils, healing the sick and sharing the gospel of Christ. And the Lord went with them, working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And that's what God is doing today. He's not asking you to go for him. So you get a bigger star on your crown. He's saying, hey, I want you to go with me. There's something I want you to do. It may be just for seven days, but will you go? But, or maybe you can't go. And he says, I, I want you to help a missionary go, whether it's me or another missionary or wherever. But God is asking us to do certain things, not for him, but with him. Because we got all eternity to sit around God's table and talk about, you remember that time you went to Honduras and you fed those children, and you helped Brother Randy, and you took the money. I appreciate that, and you did it in my name. I mean, we got all eternity to talk about. God wants us to be part of what's going on. He can do this thing without you. You can wash your car without your four-year-old's help. But you said, let's go wash the car with Dad because you love him, and you want him to be part of what's going on. 
And God wants you to be part of what's going on, not to get a bigger crown. I had a lady in Dallas tell me, she said, God must be really proud of you because you're in Honduras helping all these wonderful kids and these poor children. I'm like, no, you know, don't blow my trumpet. God is proud of me because I love his son. And I believe his word today. God's not proud of me because I went and built a youth camp. You can preach 10 times more than Billy Graham and build a million camps. But if you don't love his son, you ain't got nothing. And it all comes down, you know what I mean? It's all about, and that relieves a lot of people conviction because a lot of times I've had the enemy use my calling against people who really wasn't involved with missions. Well, I'm not doing what you're doing, so God must be mad at me. Or God, No, God's not mad at you. You could love his son. And you're going to bust the doors of heaven wide open. And God's going to be proud of you. Now, if I don't go to Honduras, I'm going to get a spanking, a verbal spanking by my spiritual father when I stand before him on Judgment Day. Why didn't you go? I needed you to go. That's what he's going to say. But I'm still going to make heaven my eternal home. So that's what I wanted to add to what you were saying. That It's fun getting involved with what God has throughout the regions of his world, whether it's in Fayetteville. There's a lot of hurt in a lot of hurting people right here in Fayetteville. A lot of students at the campus who their parents sent them off and they're glad to get them out of the house. And because they were troublesome and burdensome and they were a heavy load at the house. Thank God they're off to college. Well, you know what? God is sending you to over there to help that, that young man or woman that's coming out of a home that's Christless or godless. And God's going to touch them. I got, I'm a Christian today because I'm a high school teacher. And, that's, and then God sent me to missions. I was a masonry contractor in Lakeland, Florida, and in Birmingham before God called me. I'm not even ordained. God just called me right where I was and used the life that I lived before he called me to go and, and used that just to go down and build a camp. I, God qualified me. There's nothing wrong with being ordained. That's great, too. But I was one of those people that was too, I was too headstrong to go sit and, well, I'm not going to do that. I got kids to take care of, and God used my life and my, 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 my wife and children because I'm called to be a husband and a father first. But in the midst of that, he said, I want you and your family to go to Honduras and build this camp. And God bless my kids. My kids are all bilingual, and they all love missions, and now they're doing their own thing in their own little world with missions. But I said all that to say this, that there's nothing wrong with doing what God asks you to do no matter where it's at. It's not about going there. It's just about just obeying God. And if you pray with an earnest heart, God will lead you even to do things right here 15 minutes from this church. And um, what was the other thing? Oh, the chapel. That's why I'm here. Okay. When we talk about what God's doing in Honduras, there's one, some of my cards. We have five different components of our ministry. We have a food ministry. We have clothing where, um, just like Melody and Danny Key, they bring thousands and thousands of article clothes and many of you help her get that down um, her whole garage is full of clothing that's that's been categorized in different sizes for the children that come to camp and um we we give away a lot of school supplies because that's important because a lot of kids i've seen kids break a pencil up in four pieces and sharpen those up and share them with their friends to, so they can all have a pencil i've seen them get a piece of paper and lick it four ways and so they can write their homework on a little small piece of paper because they don't have what our kids have. Of course, evangelism is one component where we, we're trying to drill home the gospel of Christ because that's the only thing that really brings change. And then medical. We try to meet them on the medical table. Sometimes kids, we have doctors come down. They can hear kids, their hearts beating like a broken clock. 
and we get them either sent to the States or we bring doctors down and have surgery on them in the States. We're doing as much as we can. We can't feed them all, but we're feeding all we can. We can't evangelize them all, but we're evangelizing all we can. We're doing everything we can with the resources that God puts in our in our hand, and that's where you come in. We're building all these Bible stations where the God, where God can touch their little hearts and lives. But at the end of this little Via Della Rosa, we're building a chapel that looks like a synagogue in the time of Christ, so we can kind of fit that into our drama. And we need a roof on it. We need thousand. We need thirty thousand dollars to put the roof on it. And I'm not just going to hire that out. I'm going to be down pouring the concrete and mixing it up. And I'm going to get Teen Challenge out of Tegucigalpa to help us get the concrete on the roof. But that's just materials. That's hardly any labor because I go down and do it myself because I can and I want to because I want to save money. I straighten nails, I promise. I don't throw no wood away. Is that right, brother? You've been down there working with me? I don't throw nothing away. I use it all, and there's always a place for something. But... We need this chapel built, and that's where you come in, and I need your help to get that roof on. Because this is where we bring the gospel home. This is where kids come to the front and say, I want this Jesus you're talking about that can calm the storm in my little life to come in my heart. We have one wall, Pastor. It's 16 by 16, and we have Jesus calming the storm on that wall. And I built a 3D boat where it looks like half of a boat's coming out of that wall. And Jesus is with his hand out. And we go up to this little wall and we say, all you children have a storm in your life. And a lot of them, it's domestic violence. It's not having what they need to just to live a normal life as a kid. And we say, you see that guy right there? He can calm a storm in your life. Just like many of you have a storm in your life. It may be in the eye of the storm. Maybe you may see something horrible coming your way or you may have gone through it. And you're starting to physically and mentally and spiritually recover. But the guy that I tell these children in Honduras about, he can calm the storm in your life. He can calm the storm in your life too. And he's the only one. He is the only one that can fix their little life. So that's why we want this chapel, because we want to say that message. Because they're there just for a few moments that day, and then they're gone. And some of them I never see again. But something's happening, Pastor. Many missionaries have been many places and they've done work and they've never seen a soul saved, but they're dead and gone. And now the work of their hands spiritually are starting to take effect and they never know it. But thankfully, Pastor, just like you, you get to see the fruit of some of your labor. And we have kids that was at the camp 10 years ago, 8 and 10. Oh, they're children. They come back 8 and 10 years later, they're adults. They're young adults. Wow. And now we see that the mission field is starting to become a little mission force in that community. We even have kids that are starting to work in different communities of Honduras that gave their heart and life to Christ at Kids Aren't Camp. Now, that's a hand clap right there. That's a hand clap because the mission field is becoming a mission force. And some of these teenagers, some of these, young, these little children that gave their heart and life to Christ, they come back and they dress up like the Bible characters, and we're starting to have dramas for the next generation of kids coming around. There's no shortage of kids there, Pastor. We want to we wrap up our time together uh, this way. We're, they're going to lead us in a song, and we want to have a couple of minutes to pray, and then we're going to receive a special offering uh, for the campground. But in this prayer time, I want, I want you, you can come up here, you can sit right there, however you want to do this, but what I'm really wanting you to do is Think about those three things we talked about, the pray, give, and go. And I want you 
to ask the Holy Spirit if you're if you would be open to that. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord. I'm I'm so used to praying for everybody else. I'm praying this time because I'm just asking you what you want to say to me about the mission. I'm I'm opening up myself to give myself to this whatever that would be. Maybe it's a week or two or a lifetime or or whatever that is. And I'm. I'm asking you whether or not you want me to go. And if so, to what extent and where? I'm just kind of asking you today to, to think about that in terms of yourself rather than of someone else. And allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. There may not be a thing you can do about this for a year or two. He may say, I want you to go on a trip. Go on the next trip Trinity goes on. Well, we're, it's going to be a year and a half before that happens because we've got one in Ecuador. It's too late to go on this year anyway. But that would give you the time to be setting back money, saving up money, so that when the time comes, you'd have it. It's usually thirteen to $1,500, sometimes a little bit more, depending on where we're going. If you're farther away, it's more. But um, I, I just want you to take that time to, to just spend it in prayer and pray for them. Pray for other missionaries, but also apply this to your own life and ask the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me here today I felt very in, I felt very intentional about it usually I would do this and then Randy would have stepped down and we'd shown a video take an offering and I'd preach but today I just felt like we were supposed to stay in this we were supposed to stay in this moment and I felt like he would be a really good guy to help me communicate that um, so let's let's take some time and just pray about what does that mean to you as an individual M- missions and me what does that mean to you What's God saying to your heart? Let's let's pray.